All right, this morning's message, God's eternal goodness, God's eternal goodness, amen. Psalm 23, starting at verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And here it is. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And fathers, we come to the conclusion of this message, in this passage, in this study, Lord. I pray that you'll touch each one of us in a mighty way. And Father, I believe with all my heart the word will come forth in such a way that it transforms us and we'll look forward, Father, to our future. Because we realize that the future, what's before us, is much greater than what is behind us. Touch and strengthen as always you do. Let our hearts and minds be open to you and you receive that glory and the honor. The church said, Amen and Amen. We are, we are, we are, we are today ending the study we've had in the last several weeks. In fact, it's been over 12 weeks, believe it or not, uh, ending Psalm 23 and dealing with the depth of Psalm 23 and the meat of Psalm 23 and the subject of living in the goodness of our God. And one of the things we've learned about Psalm 23 is this, that it's not about shepherds, it's not about sheep, and it's not about trust or faith in our God. It's about God's goodness towards us. And I think that's important that we would see that. And it is now here in verse 6, the latter part of verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Covered that last week. And there's that word and. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the things I notice about this passage in dealing with Scripture in itself and dealing with our Lord, we experience, I believe this to be true, that He has promised that He would help us when we're stressed out. Can you say amen? Experience that? Anybody on the edge right now? <laughs> he has promised to help you when you're stressed out. He's also promised to help you when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He promised that he would anoint your head with oil when you need healing. And he promised that your cup would be overflowing. All those metaphors are there. And then at the very end, he says this. And oh, by the way, it doesn't just end there on earth. He says, he's going to be good. I'm going to be good to you forever and forever and forever throughout all of eternity. Why don't you give him a round of applause? Just kind of shake up a little bit, you know. Say, thank you, Jesus, for that promise. Amen. That's a good thing. And so with the final message in this psalm series, I want to ask three simple questions. Number one is this. What is heaven? How is it different from this earth? And what are we going to do in heaven? Real simple. Amen. Well, first of all, let's deal with what is heaven. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7, we want to pick up there. Look at what the scripture says. Paul writes this. Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in coming ages he might show what? Incomparable, right? Riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That passage is pretty clear, pretty exciting when you really read what's being said here. He said, God has given us a place with Christ Jesus in heaven. He said, well, why is that? Well, read the rest of the verse. Verse 7 tells us, in order that in the coming ages, he might show his, oh, one more time, incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness towards us 
in Christ Jesus. What he's saying here is pretty simple. I didn't say that I was just going to help you. He did say he would help us, but I just didn't say I was going to help you down here on this earth. I'm not just going to give you strength when you feel you're weak. I'm not just going to probably give you provision when you lack something. I'm going to help you in that need. I'm going to help you when you're scared to death. I'll be with you. But in addition to all those things which I have promised, I want to live with you and I want you to live with me forever and forever and forever. I want that relationship. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. One of the things I've noticed, I have noticed over the years how the movies and the depiction of heaven are 100% wrong, you know. And I don't know that there's ever been a movie anywhere that got heaven right. Because when you think about heaven, describing it, it is undescribable, amen, incomprehensible to our brains. And all the images of heaven are so inferior and so imperfect to what, well, what heaven really is. In fact, all the descriptions make heaven sound pretty boring, if you ask me. He used to have a buddy before he got saved. He's actually a preacher now in the church of God. But before he got saved, he was, I ain't going to heaven. He says, it's boring. I don't want to just hang out there with wings and playing harps. He said, you kidding me? I want to party. That's what he used to tell me. I want to party in hell. You know, he says, Brian, you're going to die in hell, man. What are you talking about? Anyways, he gave his life to Christ. He's a preacher now. Amen. But think about that for a moment. People got this concept of heaven because the way we project heaven, we really don't say too much about it, and we really don't describe it because it's difficult to describe. And so as a result, heaven seems so boring. But let me ask you this. Start reasoning here. Beautiful sunset, sunrise. Let me ask you. You start looking over the ocean. You see that surf. You get that sunrise, that sunset. Or when you take a look at the mountains, those deer keep showing up everywhere. You can look over those mountains and the snow-capped reaches there. When you look at those beautiful valleys and the intricacy of art and the flowers, the plants and animals. Let me ask you something. Does any of that look boring to you? Absolutely not. And then I started thinking, we're living in an imperfect world. And if all of that beauty is there and all that around us certainly doesn't look boring, we want to go off and enjoy it. And if we're living in this imperfect world, heaven, Scripture says, is going to be at a much higher level than that, than this. So what is heaven? First of all, it's a physical place. That's important. John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I guess maybe the issue right there, stop for a moment, is do you believe his word? Do you believe what he says? Amen. If you believe him for this, then you ought to believe him for the rest of the word. Amen. So he said, listen to me. I would have told you so. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if, what did he say? Now this is exciting. If I go to prepare a place for you, what did he say he's going to do? I'll be back. Arnold actually stole that from the Lord. He said, if I go away, now he went away. He said, if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Amen. Now Jesus is making those remarks to his disciples right after his resurrection, right before his ascension into heaven. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I wouldn't have told you that, basically. I wouldn't have told you that if it weren't true. But when your place is ready, and I want you to notice the scripture says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He didn't say for a whole group of folks. He said for you. 
when I go to prepare a place for you, how specific it is for you. When that place is ready, I'm going to come back and get you. And you're going to be with me forever and ever and ever. Let me tell you something. If heaven is not true, then Jesus is one of the greatest liars who ever lived. Because he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'll be back. Glory. Amen. You know what that means? There's a condo up in heaven for me. There's a place that I can reside for all of eternity, all for me. And I'm sure that it's going to be designed according to my taste. Amen. Things that I like. You know, you might come into my condo and say, hey, it's nice, but check mine out. You know, regardless, it's going to be there for me. It's a place that will last forever and ever and ever and ever. Why? Because, because why? Why? Because God's been planning to prepare a place because he wants to spend eternity with us. And the reason is he's our heavenly father and he wants his children. He wants his children to be at home with him forever. And so the first thing we understand that heaven is a physical place. Second thing I want you to note that when it comes to heaven, heaven is a permanent place. I'm going to tell you right now as I'm putting this together and working on it, I started thinking some of this message is going to show up in the funeral service. I'm just telling you right now. It's going to be there. Amen. I'm going to throw it in there because I think it's good. Heaven's not only a physical place, but it's a permanent place. Look at Paul writes 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now we know. He's not questioning it. He said, now we know that if we have an earthly tent, which we do, which we live, it's going to be destroyed. We have a building from God, a what? An eternal house. Where? In heaven. Not built by human hands. Well, thank you, Jesus. And the reason why he says not by built by human hands is because, well, we do some building, and every now and then we cut it twice and still too short. You know, it doesn't always work out just like we wanted to, you know. Things are a little out of square. You got to whack it. He said, well, you know, paint and caulking, that'll cover it. But that's not how it's going to be in heaven. Amen. He said, it's not built with human hands because I've seen some of your work. It's good, but not like I can make. Then there's another verse of scripture I want you to show you. And I put it in the, the message Bible because it really kind of kind of hit home. And I think it made a little more clarity with it. And I enjoyed it. I'm sorry. Living, yeah, the living Bible. He said this, and this was his purpose. That when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are, whether it be in heaven or on earth, to be with him in Christ forever. I started thinking about his timing. His timing is always perfect. His timing is always right. And the scripture says that he's going to gather his children together from wherever they are. One of my things, my... There's somebody in this congregation does not want to be cremated. You don't have to raise your hand here because we all know. Because one of the questions here was, how is the Lord going to put me together if I'm all burned up? I said, are you kidding me, man? He designed you from the little things. I'll be the best of the wind. He'll just gather you together, girl. Plus, it's cheaper, you know. And she would tell me, you're not going to cremate me. She'd, I'll make sure my sisters and my brothers understand that you're not going to cremate me. Did I slip a little bit who it might be? It's not biblical, she said. Wherever we are, in whatever state we're in, what's he say? He's going to what? He's going to pull us together. And we're going to be with him in Christ forever. Amen. His timing's always perfect. And the place we're going to be with him forever is called heaven, by the way, just in case you didn't know. 
And then there's the third thing I want you to see. That heaven is reserved only for God's people. And sometimes that's not brought up. This is where a lot of people get this wrong. It's a reserved place for only God's people. Everybody's not going to be in heaven. Not everybody. Everybody could go, but not everybody's going to. I start thinking, you know, just think for a moment. If everybody could go to heaven, you'd have backbiting and jealousy and gossip and war and lust and rape and murder and all those other things. Heaven would be no different than earth, would it be? It'd be the same as here. What if Hitler, Hitler could actually go to heaven? What about Stalin or Mao? Say, Tung, what about, they killed millions and millions of people. If they could go to heaven just as they were, what special place would heaven be? Heaven's not for everybody. And that's just the truth. Heaven's only for God's children, the children of God. Here's the good news, though. you got a choice. You can choose whether you want to be part of this family or, or not. It's totally up to you. Because God's invitation, Scripture tells us clearly, is for everyone. He invites everyone to heaven, everyone to that grand banquet. But not everybody's gone. Because not everybody's willing to meet the conditions. So what are the conditions, Pastor Bob? Well, they're not all that difficult. They're not all that difficult. There has to be a change of kingdoms. There has to be a mindset change. There has to be an allegiance change. How do you do that? You say, well, first of all, you've got to accept God's grace. You've got to repent of your sins. That means repent of putting your will over God's will and accept His forgiveness. You've got to come to a place in your life where you realize there's consequences for the choices you've made and realize you can never get to heaven on your own power. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Heaven's a perfect place. And so if heaven's a perfect place and I'm not perfect and you're not perfect and God said, I want you to be with me, then He has to have a plan. Makes sense. It's a plan of salvation where Jesus would come, fully God, fully man, lower himself to become like man, pay the price for our sins so we could go. Revelation 21, 27 says this, Nothing pure will enter in it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful, deceitful, but only those whose what? Names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. No matter how good you might be, no matter how wonderful you might be, no matter the good things you do, doesn't mean you're going to heaven. The Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life. See, the Lamb in the Scripture is always a symbol for Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who sacrificed for our sins. Just like the Lamb in the Old Testament. He's talking about this book of life. He's saying, in this book of life, your name's got to be in it. If your name's in it, you get in. What's the reverse of that? If your name ain't in it, you ain't getting in. It's pretty simple, isn't it? He said, well, Pastor, but how do, I, how do I get my name in the Lamb's book of life? Well, Jesus said it's pretty clear in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. So, well, Pastor, how do I get my name in the book of life? It's pretty simple. You put your trust in the, son, in the Son of God. Put your trust in the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for you, for me. So I don't have to pay for my sins. He paid for my own. I guess what it comes right down to it eventually, evidently, there's a registration book in heaven. <laughs> you got you to make a reservation. Make a reservation. You can't just die and decide, okay, I'm going to heaven. It's time, you know. Listen, did you make an advanced reservation? Because if your name's in the book, 
You get in. If you didn't make that reservation, guess what? You're not getting in. It's just so simple as that. And I started thinking about the whole thing about heaven. If somebody doesn't want God in their life now, then why in the world would they want to spend their entire life with God? Spend all of eternity with Him. It doesn't make much sense to me. Show me a person who says, you know what? I'm going to live my life completely apart from God. I'm going to do my own thing, make my own decisions because I think I'm smarter than God. I'm going to do my own, you know, I'll make, I'll make myself happier than he ever could. I don't believe there even is a God. Why in the world would that person, when they die, say, you know what? I want to spend the rest of my time, all of eternity with you. It don't make any sense. But Jesus is going to say, wait a minute, have it your way. You were having it your way all the time you were there on earth living. You were doing your own thing. You were coming and going. What is this? You don't want to have your life with me? That's all right. I gave you years and years and years to decide, and you decided against me. Why in the world do I want you to live with me now? Are you trying to avoid something now? There's no love relationship here. There's no commitment. No. You didn't want me on, in your life on earth. Why in the world would you want me in your life for all of eternity? The big thing we run into oftentimes is, how could a loving God, how could a loving God send people to hell? You choose. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose. The person chooses. Let's pretend that there's like two doors. And one door says, life eternal through Jesus. And the other door says, life separated from God. You have a choice. And let's say that you say, you know, there's that door, that life eternal. No, I don't want to go. I want to go through that door called life separated from God. That's what I want to do. I'm going through that door because I don't want to do it his way. I don't want to believe in God Almighty. I'm not going to trust him. I don't want him to be Lord. I'm going to walk through this door marked life separated by God. Let me ask you, you walk through that door. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? Did God force you to go through that door? Who's to blame? Nobody but yourself. You chose to go to hell. Which means that in choosing to go through a, life, a door that says life separated from God, you're choosing, and that's what it means. You've, re you've rejected His love. You've rejected His grace. That's what you've done. You've rejected His forgiveness. You have rejected God Himself. You've rejected Jesus Christ. His blood sacrifice. And so God is saying to each one of us, He says, you got a choice. You want to live in my house? Then you're going to live by my rules. House rules. It's my house. House rules. You say, well, what are those rules? A list of things? No, it's quite simple. Trust in the Lord Jesus. He says, trust me for your salvation and ask me for forgiveness and learn to love me as much as I love you. I've created you with a purpose. I have a plan for your life. I want you to know me. Just agree. Accept me as your Lord and Savior. It's not that difficult. Commit your life to me. We've been talking about in James, it goes beyond just simply saying that I believe that he's a God. There's going to now be an expression. There's going to be a transformation, a change in my life. I'm going to become different. I'm going to begin, begin to serve the Lord here on earth. 
because of that faith, because of that transformation in my life. Pretty simple. So, first of all, we understand that heaven is a physical place and it is a permanent place and it's a place that's reserved for only God's family. Only His family. Jesus, one time, He's talking to His disciples and He's going to send them out to do ministry, to help people who are in need. He said, I have given you, notice this, he says in Luke chapter 19, he says, Luke chapter 10, excuse me, he said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you, he said. Whatever you do, however, do not rejoice in the spirits that it submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, see what happened was the disciples go out there, they're ministering, and they come back, whoa, on this mission trip, they say, wow. You and high five, you know. Did you see that? You wouldn't believe Jesus what happened. We saw this guy healed, man. We saw miracle after miracle. We saw this freedom and liberation come about through your name, Lord. And they're celebrating. They're just celebrating with Jesus. They're all excited about what's going on in their life. They said, this is pretty cool. This is neat. I, I signed me up for this. I'm glad I signed up. This, is, this has got potential. You can imagine the tapes that I'll be able to make now and I'll, we'll be able to go out there and, and all the different radio stations and television stations will be able, wow, we're going to be the big thing. All these miracles being done. And Jesus says to them, just wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys. You're celebrating the wrong thing. He said, rather than celebrating the fact that I used you and your faith to do miracles in people's lives, here's what you should be celebrating. Celebrate, he says this. Not the fact that spirits are submitted, submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. That's what you rejoice. And look at the passage of Scripture there when Jesus is clarifying, he's saying something, look at Let's get the right motivation. If you're going to minister to folks, you're going to serve me, let's get the right motivation. It's not about you. Your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Celebrate that. Let that become the motivation of all we say and do to give God be the glory. To God be the glory. Amen. You see, the moment you step across the line, the moment you step across that, that, that spiritual line, you say, okay, I am in. I'm going to trust Christ for my salvation. I know that I need a Savior. I know that I cannot save myself. I can't save my own problems. I certainly can't save myself from my own sins. The moment you cross that line, your name's written down in the registry of heaven in the book of life. And when you die, they will say, come on in. You have a reservation. We have a reservation for you. Welcome to heaven. Amen. And amen. The next question is, how is heaven different from earth? And Paul writes this. He writes so clearly. I No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who what? Love Him. I'm going to read that passage and I'm thinking, whoa, that's a really cool deal. That's a big deal. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on in heaven. But I do know it's going to be a cool place. I just know that. And there's a lot of stuff here on earth that, that we don't like. And a lot of stuff we don't like here on earth, it's not going to be in heaven. You know, when, 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 Apostle, when the Apostle John was banished in the Isle of Pappas, he's an old man. He gets a glimpse of heaven. 
And he writes it down in the book of Revelations. It starts in verse 21. Revelation, he goes this. And I think, though it's a great book, let me back up here. Okay, good. He writes down there, and I didn't put it down. Revelation 21, verse 22 and 27 says this. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty, the Lamb of God, that was in the temple. Amen. Let me back up. I switched pages. How the mighty have fallen. There's a lot of reasons why people don't want to go to heaven. Because they think it's a boring place. but they've learned something wrong. One of the things I've noticed about the pictures of heaven and the movies of heaven is everything seems to be in white. You ever notice that? they got angel wings. They're all white. They're on clouds of harps and gold. And they're walking around, and there's like a, like a fog, like a foot deep. Yeah, and they're walking around in this stuff, you know. And everybody goes, you know, wow. And I started thinking, are you kidding me? Really? That's how you depict heaven? How can you depict heaven? You know, everything in total white. God who invented color. He makes everything white. That makes no sense for me. You got fog on your feet, a foot deep. Come on, you can't see your feet. So you're walking around the fog all the time, totally white, wearing a white robe. You may have wings. You think you're going to have wings. You ain't going to have wings, by the way. You're not going to be an angel when you get to heaven. It's not going to happen. Talked about that last week. You got this idea that you're playing a harp. Let me tell you something. If heaven was completely white, I may or may not have wings. I'm walking around in fog, okay? Playing a harp, that would be hell to me. But that's not what heaven's like. If that was heaven was like, I'd be saying, no, thank you, Lord. You know, I don't know about that, but I don't want to go through all that. I'd rather stay where I am, enjoy the surf and the sunsets. I know it's a broken world, but you know, it's not so bad compared to what you got for me. But heaven's no way going to be like that. It's not going to be like they see in the movies. The Bible says it's imaginable. We can't imagine it. We can't even explain it. We don't have the capacity to. But I can tell you not necessarily what's going to be in heaven, but I can tell you what's not going to be in heaven. You get a better picture of heaven. We're talking to things that aren't going to be there because it is a big deal. It's a cool place. A lot of stuff here on earth is going to be in heaven. Now, when the Apostle Paul was banished on the island of Paphos, he's an old man, he gets a glimpse of heaven. He writes down, he writes it all down, you know? And, and, and he writes it down in Revelations. Okay? Revelation 21, verse 22 and 24 says this, I did not see a temple in the city. And I want you to pick this up because John is mentioning nine things that are not going to be in heaven in this passage. He said, I didn't see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty, the Lamb, are in the temple. The city doesn't need a sun, moon, shine to shine on it for the glory of the Lord gives it light and the Lamb is its light. Nations will walk by its light and kings on, of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Oh, no day will a gate ever shut and there will be no light there or night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but on those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want you to notice the nine things that aren't going to be there. Number one, he said, this is important, there's no temple. Why is that important? We don't need a temple. Why? Because God's there. We don't need a special building to go meet with the Lord and pray with Him. He's there. 
We can walk and talk and mean with him anytime we want. He's there, he's present. And there will be no sun or moon in heaven. Not necessary. Why? Because God's glory is shines bright and lines up everything. He's the powerhouse. Amen. And there'll be no shut gates. Why? We don't need any gates to be shut. And we don't need any gates to be shut to protect. There's no keys in heaven. Why? Because nobody locks anything in heaven. And there's no night there. In heaven, there's no night. You don't need it. You're not going to get tired in heaven. Verse 27 says, there's nothing impure there, nothing unclean in heaven. Everything is pure. You got pure water. You got pure air. You got a pure body. Everything's pure. Everything is clean. And there's no immorality in heaven. That's probably why people don't want to go. Here's the big one. There's no shame in heaven. Can you imagine living the rest of your life without ever feeling shame? How great that would be. There's no guilt, no regret. There's no shame. And there's no deceit in heaven. Everybody tells the truth. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the truth. And those who follow me walk in truth. And the only people in heaven, listen, are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, which means it's only reserved for God's people, which means there's no unbelievers there. Everyone is created by our God, and God loves everybody, but not everybody's a child of God. You have to ask him into your family, into his family. So let me ask you, how, how do you get into the family of God? How do you get into your own family? One of two ways. You're either born into it or you're adopted, right? The Bible uses both those terms. It's called being born again into the family of God or being adopted into the family of God. And we said, when you cross that line and put your faith in Christ, you're then adopted into the family of God. You're being adopted into the family of God. You Step across that line and put your faith in Christ Jesus. It's adopted into the family. Now you're born again into the family of God. And both of those metaphors are correct. They're true. That's why he says those people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, they're there. How's heaven different? Well, Galatians 21, verse 4 tells us exactly how it's different. Because he said this, he will what? Wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's not going to be any tears in heaven. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, crying, or pain. For the old order of things have what? Passed away. All those, all those things have been gone. They're gone forever. That's the goodness of our God. There's not pain or death or sorrow any longer there. It's here today, but not there. And then you say, well, Pastor Bob, why is there? Why is there mourning, death, crying, and pain? Why is there tears today? Why? Why is there all of these things? Because we're not following God's way. We're not doing as we should be. And because we're not following His way, we're following our own way. And because we follow our own way, we hurt each other. We bring pain to each other by making a lot of dumb decisions. We hurt people intentionally and unintentionally. There's sorrow and there's death. The scripture says that here today, the wages of sin is death. But Christ Almighty made a way for us to escape death and he paid for all of our sins. There's no more death, no more sorrow, no more grief because there's no loss in heaven. There will never be a funeral in heaven. Ever. Now, I want you to make a list of all the things that aren't going to be in heaven. 
I started a list. I'm going to finish the list. You don't have to copy this list. You can add to it and make your own up. But I kind of got into it just a little bit. Here's my list of things that won't be in heaven. Number one, there won't be any A for accidents. There's not going to be accidents, aches, anxiety, acne, and there won't be any ants in heaven. Come on now. They're in my house, but they won't be in heaven. Thank God for that. There won't be any bullies, broken hearts, bad hair days. None of it's in heaven. We could actually add baldness too if we want to with that one. In heaven, there's no cancer, no crime, no car trouble, no cavities, no cellulite. For D, there's no dead ends in heaven, no delays, no dirty dishes, no diapers, no what? Dementia. Did I mention dementia? <laughs> e, there's no earthquakes or arrows. F, there's no failures. G, there's no garbage, no hunger, no irritations. None of it's going to be in heaven. Amen. Thank you. There's no lawyers in heaven. I kind of jumped a little bit. And there's no preachers in heaven. Why? Because you don't need any preachers in heaven any longer. But now if you're a worship leader, you got job security. <laughs> Just saying, you know. You can make up your own list. You can figure it out, add to it, subtract from it. But I want you to get an idea of what's not in heaven. Because to think about what is in heaven is kind of, we can't get it. But we can also see the things that aren't in heaven. And kind of builds our faith and excitement towards it. Amen. Bottom line is this. We don't, may not know all that's going to be in heaven, but it's great. We know it's great because the things aren't going to be in there. Amen. See, so, well now, what are we going to do in heaven? Well, the big thing, we're going to eat. <laughs> Glory be. That's a big one. You know, I, I, you know, a lot of people, you go into a cemetery and they say R.I.P., right? Or you drive around, somebody sees it in the back of their car, somebody dies, rest in peace. Rest in peace. They put that on their tombstones. Okay. With my life and what I've been doing, I wouldn't mind going to heaven and resting for a couple days. You know, maybe a week. But that's it. I do not want to be lying around resting for all of eternity. I want to be doing something. Amen. And God didn't create me. He couldn't create us and bring us into heaven. Create heaven just for a permanent retirement. No, just for we can veg out and, and do nothing. There's actually some interesting things that he's going to have us do. Eat is one. <laughs> Glory. And you're not going to gain weight. You don't worry about your calories. You don't worry about if it's this bad or if it don't matter. No, man. Go eat and enjoy. Obviously, you can breathe. It's a good thing. You can talk. You can fellowship. You can relax. You can pray. You can sing. You'll be able to worship our God. You'll be able to love him like he deserves to be loved. You'll be able to worship him. You can have fellowship one with another, other believers. You'll be able to serve God with your giftedness. Amen. Pretty cool. And you're going to grow. Because you're not going to stay the same in heaven as you are when you enter. You're going to, oh, you're going to be reunited. Reunited with your loved ones. All those who love the Lord Jesus Christ have gone on before you get reunited. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if they're part of the family of God and you're part of the family of God? Can you imagine the party? Can you imagine the reunion that we're going to have, that big reunion that we're going to have? Thessalonians says this, then the rest of us, notice this, who are still alive, at the time, we'll be caught up with them into clouds to meet the Master. Wow. What a huge reunion with the Master. Can you imagine how emotional that's going to be? You think heaven's boring? Are you kidding me? The way the world describes it, yeah, I agree it can be boring, but 
But listen to what the scripture says. Verse 18 says, oh, that we'll be walking on air. Huge. There'll be this huge family reunion with the master. So what reassure, look at it, reassure one another with these words. Glory be. And there's going to be a reward in heaven for our faith, our hope, and our love. Jesus talked an awful lot about, about that in Scripture. Throughout Scripture, he talked about awards. He did. You look at the stories and his parables and the awards that he spoke about how we receive in heaven. Jesus went on to say that even if you give a cup of water to a little child and do it in the name of the Lord, you're gonna, you will get credit for it. The motivation for doing it isn't to get to heaven. It's because we are part of the family of God. And that's one of the discussions of James. James was saying, don't do good things just because we want to make God happy. No, no. We do good things because of who we are now. It's a result of. Wow. Now there's a difference between salvation and rewards. See, salvation in heaven, praise God, it comes by grace. You cannot get your, you can't earn your salvation. You're not going to earn your salvation because you give a cup of water to somebody. You can't do it. You can't work your way into heaven. The only way you can get into heaven is through grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. You put your faith in God's forgiveness, His goodness, and His grace. The rewards, on the other hand, they're the things God's going to give us for doing the good things in life. Good things that made our lives count. See, you can waste your life. You can spend your life or you can invest your life. The greatest use of a life is to invest in and what's going to outlast your life. It's called living in the light of eternity. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to live in light of eternity. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand the rewards come because of something you did. It's true. Look what John put in here. He said, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will what? Honor the one who serves me. Look at that little word, honor. You helped someone. You were generous to someone. You were kind to someone. You shared your faith with someone. Scripture says you're going to receive a reward for those things. Why? Because you did those things out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and because of that, he's going to honor. Did you know that when you get to heaven, it's... You're not just going to there. You're going to be honored there. Now, I understand that when we're honored there, any honor we get, we're going to cast at his feet, but he's going to recognize who we are. And it's all because of his grace, because of his mercy. And the scripture tells me this here. If you're, you're going to be awarded a lot, if you're, you're rewarded a lot, it's because you were, did a lot. If you reward a little, it's because you did a little. It all depends on how serious you are about serving the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, So don't throw away your confidence. It will be what? It's rewarded. In other words, he's saying this, I don't want you to go, I don't want you to go through life just all bummed out and start having doubts and giving up. Stop. Don't throw away your confidence. You're going to be rewarded in heaven for the times you wanted to give up, but you didn't give up. The times you wanted to give up on your marriage, and you didn't. Times you wanted to give up on your faith, and you didn't. Times you wanted to, you know, to give up on doing right, but you didn't. He said, don't give up your confidence. You're going to be rewarded in heaven because of your endurance, resilience. Keep on keeping on. Your determination and your diligence are going to pay out. You put your hands to the plow, don't look back. Don't look back. 
But folks, it's not just about our rewards. Scripture says we're going to get some inheritance. Inheritance. An inheritance. You know what an inheritance is. Parents pass away or somebody in the family passes away and, and you have, they have value and they're going to pass it on to you. So the next generation receives possessions or wealth or whatever it might be. Your heavenly Father, the Scripture says, has an inheritance for you in heaven. Colossians 3.24 says, Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, wow, it is Christ that you're serving. Since, he says, you know. Since you know that you can receive an inheritance from the Lord, a reward for his serving. An inheritance. You say, well, what's the inheritance? Well, First Peter. Peter talks about it. An inheritance into what? An inheritance that will never... Never perish, spoil, fade, kept in heaven for you. So it's a priceless inheritance for you. Let me show you something else that Jesus is speaking about here. Matthew 25, verse 34 says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. God has planned an inheritance. He's got a retirement package for us. Amen. I bet you never heard that. He's got one. He's got a retirement package for each one of us. An, entire, an inheritance is set aside before the world was created. No one ever loved us like the Lord loves us. No one ever loved us like that. He wants to be good for us for all of eternity. Amen. And then the third thing. We're going to be assigned work we can enjoy when we're in heaven. It's not going to be frustrating work. Thank God. It's going to be good work. It's going to be fulfilling work. Look at Matthew said in verse 25, verse, verse 1. He said 21, Matthew 25, verse 21. His master replied, well done, the good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a, with a few things. I will what? Put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. I will put you in charge of many things based on how well you've managed the things given to you here on earth. I started thinking about that. I'm broke. I am. I'm broke. I got a business, a property my father left us, quote unquote. Church here, I started thinking, you know, I'm a steward. When you figure out the value of this property, it's over, over a million and a half dollars, almost two million dollars, the property's value is almost two million dollars. And you think about the property my father has on Deming Road. It's up there too. I'm a steward. I'm broke, but I'm a steward. <laughs> and that's what he called us to do, and to be stewards. Stewards of the things he's given to us. Be faithful in the things I've given to you, regardless what it is, and you'll be rewarded accordingly. Faithful, he said. If you've got a little talent, then be faithful in that little talent, because when you're faithful with that little talent I give you, I'm going to give you more talent. Faithful with the little possessions you have here on earth, I'm going to give you more. If you don't manage it well, then you're going to get nothing in heaven accordingly. Let me tell you something. I figured this out. Life's a test. Have you ever figured it out lately? Life is a test. It's a test. We're being tested every day. It's like a preschool. It's like a warm-up act before the real story begins. And the question has to be, how well are we using what God has given us? God says, use what I have given to you. Use what I have given to you on this earth. Be faithful in little things. And I'll put you in charge of more. But unfortunately, most people today in this world are failing at that. They're living for themselves. They don't see themselves as stewards 
of what has been placed in their hands. They're not thinking all about heaven at all. They're living 100% for here and now. The Bible calls this life as but a, a shadow, just a passing of breath. It's for a moment, it's here and it's gone. We act like all there is, all that we have is here right now, but God has long-range plans for us. He made us to last forever. And God doesn't care. He doesn't care how much money or wealth or talent we've got on this earth. What He cares about is how well we have stewarded what we've been placed in our hands, how well we've managed what we have. And think about it. Every single decision we make every day, every moment of our day, has eternal implications. He said, if you've been faithful with the few things I gave you on earth, I'll put you in charge of many things. He says, you will reign and rule with me on earth. Oh, heaven. So what are we going to do in heaven? Well, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. We're going to rest. And all those other things are going to occur. When we receive our reward, we receive an inheritance. We're going to be reassigned to, to new things to do. And the more faithful we have been on earth, the more God is going to give us in heaven opportunities to continue to serve Him. Everything we do today has implications. And the old saying is one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, we're talking about something that's not minor this morning at all. It's a major issue. We're talking about our eternal destiny. You know, the night before Jesus went to the cross, he, he gathered his 12 disciples together and he said to them, he said, I, I don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me, in my Father's house in many rooms. If we're, all, if we're not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. I am betting my life and the fact is telling the truth. What are you betting your life on? And if you know someone who's never opened their life up to Christ, they need to do it. You need to be in prayer for them. And don't give them just three, four steps to salvation. They need to be able to stand before the throne of God, kneel before the throne of God, and Father, give me insight into that individual's life. We need to meet the real need. Amen. The real need real need. Speak to me that I might speak to them and minister to them. How many times Jesus was able to see the heart and know, discern. Why the gift of discernment? Why does he give us the gift of discernment? So that we can stand before our King and receive from the Holy Spirit insight to an individual's life, the need, the hurt, the pain, and minister to them. Words of wisdom that would draw a man to himself. Amen. And if we've opened our life to Christ here on earth, what are we doing for heaven's what are we doing for heaven's sake? What are we doing now? What are we doing now to prepare for the inevitable heaven? We need to start investing our lives. If we're not already, we need to continue to invest our lives in things that are going to last. Let me say amen. Because heaven's a cool place. There's a whole lot of stuff not going to be there. Thank God for that. Amen. And eyes have not seen or ears heard. It's going to be there. What he has in store for us.
And again, I'm bidding my life as that does not ring true. Amen. I want us to close this morning a little different. I just want us to close in worship. I've got a couple songs up here that I want us to listen to and just we can stand to our feet and just worship Him a little bit and praise Him. Can we do that a little bit different tonight, this morning, and just give Him the glory and the honor? Amen and amen. Time to worship Him. Even though we walk the valley of shadow of death, we fear no evil, for He's on our side. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you say amen? Praise His holy name. I want you to go home today sometime and make your list of all the things that aren't going to be in heaven. Amen. Thank Him for that. Give Him the glory and honor. Amen. I've enjoyed the last series of dealing with Psalms and studying and looking into it. Um, I'm working on another one, Lord willing. We'll talk about the I Am's of Jesus. Amen. Spend some time doing that. The I Am's. Amen. Get to know Christ a little bit more. No more and it's not over. Amen. We'll continue supporting our brother in Christ. Amen. Amen. Folks, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And I want to leave this place rejoicing, celebrating who we are in Christ Jesus. <laughs>